Hello, we are back again. I always say the same thing, but we're back again with the Rugby Collective podcast. Obviously, it's just us two. We have got no guests this week. I'm saying it like we actually have a surprise guest. We don't. But we're back. We've had a big week of Six Nations and Prem action. Unfortunately, we're not going to spend much time on the Prem. We both have very busy weeks. We both um, had a birthday within the last week. So we've not had much time. We tried to watch as much as we could, but the Six Nations kind of took precedent. Um, Will, did you have a good birthday? Um, I don't know what else. Did you watch much rugby? Uh, yeah, did have a good birthday. Um, tried to watch a lot of rugby, but it was mainly background stuff, if I'm honest, whilst doing other things. Um, yeah, tried to get stuck into as much as possible. Um, we will talk about the Premiership in a minute, which I know is changed up a lot in terms of the table. So I think that's what we're going to focus on, isn't it? A little bit more is the actual table rather than maybe as in-depth on the individual games. Um, but yeah, huge ramifications for the table. Watched a fair bit of rugby. Um, Six Nations predictions were clearly not very good for us this weekend. Um, but oh, yes, excited to get into it. How was your birthday? Um, mine was good. Yeah. Well, I saw you. So, ah. Oh. It must be wonderful. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and then you decided that you beat me at darts. Um, oh, yeah, was, brother. But Hell yeah. I had had a few more drinks than you, so I'm going to blame that. Um, a few more, yeah. I was driving. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that, that, that'd be why. Um, uh, what well, I don't know what I was saying. Um, yes, Prem, yeah, it's, it's much more about each week, it's changing massively, isn't it? Um, and obviously, with it being so tight from third down to still ninth, but maybe some teams have fallen away. Uh, we'll get into that. Also, England are crap, but we'll get into that a bit later. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was also out during that game, so I had it on at a table when I was out somewhere, and it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I watched pretty... this one. I watched. I watched this one pretty intently, so I can give a. I'm uh, glad I didn't. Decent collection of that one. Yeah, I, and, and... I was just every time I looked down, I was like, "Oh, we conceded. Oh, yeah. and they scored again. Oh, there you go. Oh, nice try, that. <laughs> it was certainly a bit like that, wasn't? It? Yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't great. Um. But we'll start with some news. Uh, lots of it actually, lots and lots of news. Um, there was a lot of prop carousel. A nice prop carousel. It's quite a fat one. It's got a strong motor. Strong motor on that carousel to get it round. But uh, it all centres around uh, Northampton actually. Um, so they have brought in Trevor Davison from uh Newcastle, and that is happened. All these deals are happening uh, immediately. Um, and yeah, so immediately Trevor Davison's gone from Newcastle to the Saints. In return, Heffernan, is that what he's called? Something like that. Oisin Heffernan, something like that, has gone to Newcastle uh, as kind of a swap. I'm not sure if that's on loan, though. It might be I on loan. I believe it is. I believe it is yeah. on loan. I've seen something that said it was permanent, and I've also seen he was on loan, so I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's on loan for the rest of the season. And then Painter, in a separate deal, has also left Northampton um, and has gone to Exeter. And that is immediately, and that is full-time. So two props in, one uh, two props out, one prop in for Northampton. Yeah. And uh, before we look at the actual signings there, um, the 
behind the scenes stuff is a little bit crazy on that one. Um, not nothing that I've had verified as of yet, but the whispers that are going around are very interesting. So watch this space. Obviously, we've just seen uh, Dave Walder be well, not officially because Newcastle Falcons themselves aren't commenting on it yet. But uh, we believe we're led to believe that Dave Walder is no longer uh, in a coaching role at Falcons. Uh, hearing some things that he's walked, hearing some things that he's been sacked, um, all on the back of a couple of transfers out of Falcons, um, where maybe some processes haven't been quite followed as expected. But we will see how that one goes. Anything we we find out, we will let you guys know. Um, but yeah, very interesting one. Um, firstly, Trevor Davidson. I think that's a pretty solid move um, for Saints. We know that front row is probably their weak point. The fact that they've managed to get him in right now uh, with their push for the, the, the top four is huge. Um, they don't really... They're, they do, they're not like your Kyle Sinclair-type props who are sort of fundamental to the attacking flow, are they? So I think he should be able to bed in quite nicely there. Uh, and solidify that scrum up real nicely, which will be a big bonus for uh, Saints. Um, Aaron Painter is a good move as well um, for think... Chiefs with with uh, Harry Williams' injury as well. So, yeah, I think those two are, are good moves. Yeah, and they must have been listening to the pod when we suggested um, getting a prop last week. Must have. Maybe obviously, that was all it was. Maybe that was... Ob- obviously couldn't um, quite get Val Rapalvoreskin over the line, so they thought, oh, we'll get Trevor Davison. Um it's the only logical explanation. Yeah, basically the same player, aren't they? Uh, <laughs> Pretty much. Yes, a weird little carousel there. All permanent moves very late in the late in the year. But uh, we were talking about uh, as you were talking about Newcastle. There, we did highlight at the start of the year. Maybe it was a strange. Is this their head coach? Is their head coach that's been sacked? Yes. And he was an internal hire after Dean Richards, um, was sacked or left last season. Um, and we at the time said maybe that's a weird decision because like where Northampton did it, um, they were kind of on an upwards trajectory and then bring coaches free. And you've seen they've had a fairly successful season, although had f- a shaky form for right. But Newcastle, when when you were kind of stagnated, maybe it'll be good to get this uh, outside an outside coach in and um, yeah, bring some fresh ideas, freshen up the place. And, and move forward that way. Yeah, for, absolutely. And I, I don't think that'll ever be a, a bad thing necessarily to, to have a switch up. Well, well, talking to some people yesterday, and obviously a lot of you regular listeners will, will know my feelings on Falcons. I, I thought they've looked a little bit better in Sparks over the season. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the thoughts that have been shared with the Newcastle fans. Um so yeah, maybe a coaching setup is the way. Uh, sort of rejig is the way to go. A bit harsh with to Dave Waller being at his first season. I wouldn't have let him go. But as we say, it may be more political than than strictly playing options. So yeah, let's hope for the best and, and hope someone comes in and uh, and starts to to keep them progressing. But yeah, we yeah, shall well, see. You say about the outward perspective, and it's like yes, I think arguably they probably play a better, slightly better brand of rugby this season. Um, bit more exciting maybe but For ultimately sure. they are still the bottom two and the bottom two are clearly the worst two in the league so yeah it must be a bit frustrating um moving on more news lots of news 
bad news for England fans potentially. Um, but because as as it stands, I'm not even sure at the World Cup, but um, definitely after the World Cup, Jack Willis will not be available um, for England if the rules, the foreign rules stand, because he's just signed a contract extension with Toulouse, um, and he's also got uh, we, so it's a one year extension with uh, a, 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 an option to extend another season um, past that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see whether England changed the rules. I'm not sure whether that means he can play at the World Cup or not. Um, I don't know if you know. No, I'm not too sure. To be honest, I, I don't know if anyone knows. Um, no. It is so blurred, isn't it, right now? So, yeah. yeah so ho- I, Hopefully, yeah, we find out more. I soon. mean, you kind of hope that Jack Willis is available for the World Cup, um, but we don't know. Um, a player that definitely won't be available, though, uh, is Jack Knoll, who is going to... We kind of knew he was leaving Exeter, but it's been confirmed that he is going to La Rochelle, which is an exciting move. Good player, exciting player, and going to a very t- a good good team, exciting team with a great back line. I reckon he could do a bit of damage over in France. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So ho- hopefully we see him on the European stage firing as well as uh, as well as well just in France because he's a, a quality player. I do want to touch on Exeter soon as well. I won't do it right now because I want to do a little bit of prep for it, but Keep an eye out because I think we're going to do a bit of an extra segment soon. Well, uh, talking of extra, they have also brought in a different prop. Um, it's a Georgian Ab- Abu Latza. Abu Latza. Um, have you seen played... how big that man is? Uh, no, but I know he's twenty-seven-year-old Georgian prop. Um, I don't know much about him, but uh, good. Well, yeah, they've got a bit of an injury crisis as well of all the players leaving. So, um, another good good player to get in, I guess. I can tell you one thing about him for sure. He is absolutely ginormous. Um, he just put, James and and the list, James and the listeners, close your eyes right now and just picture a Georgian prop. Are you, are you picturing him, James? You got got an image in your head? Yep. That's exactly what he looks like in real life. Right. Cool. Is he slightly balded on top or bald? Yep. yep. Beard. Nailed it. Beard. Big beard. Massive arms. Massive arms, quite hairy arms. Yeah, just about yeah. as wide as he is tall. Yeah, yeah, I've got him. I've got him. You, you've <laughs> absolutely locked him in. Not, yeah, well, not to stereotype, but <laughs> not to stereotype, but that is absolutely what he looks like. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a a, a decent a decent movie. He, he looks he looks to be oh. a, a bit of a player. So, um, yeah, I, I like when a Georgian comes oh. into the league. Yeah, but from what we know, the Georgians he'll scrummage well if nothing else. Um, yeah, exactly that, and. Another thing we know is Chiefs love a scrum. Yeah, they do. So, um, yeah, and at twenty-seven years old, decent. He's got a few, good few years ahead of him. So, even if he needs a bit of work, um, he has yeah. time. He's uh, six foot one and one hundred and twenty-two kilos. That is big because he's not that tall. That's quite a chunky boy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, be a decent little rotation there as well with Scott Seal. Yes. Yeah, oh, you don't want that coming on. Ah, ooh. Uh, another one, uh, we spoke about him uh, briefly last week, um, Chris Farrell, uh, and it's been confirmed because he left Munster. It's been confirmed he's going to Onyx um, in France. Don't really mm. have much else to say. Um, yes. That is that is confirmed. Also, um, Fekatoa, who we knew was leaving Munster, has gone, it's been confirmed he's going to Benetton and that's on a three year deal. I'm assuming at this age of the career, a large part of that will have been um, 
a three-year deal would have been a large part of that because I believe he's 31 or 32. So not many teams would have given him that length of deal. Um, so I'd have I, think that's a, I think that's an awesome deal. I think that's yeah, an no, awesome signing. It is a good move, but I'm, I was just saying, I don't yeah, think yeah. like many, bigger, many of the bigger teams would have given him that length of deal at that age. So no, maybe that's yeah. why. But good on Benetton for getting him in. Yeah, and question for you. Who is he playing? Who would be their 10 at the moment? Do you know? No. Quick, quick question. So he played for... Um, is, Tom, is Tommy Allen going back there? No, he's got his friends, isn't he? Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Where is Tommy Allen going? I don't oh, know. Maybe Tommy Allen is going back to Ben. Uh, no, he's leaving, isn't he, Tommy Allen? But I don't, I don't know where. <laughs> I should know that. We're well prepared on this podcast. <laughs> All the rugby knowledge. Yeah, anyway, what is your point? I believe it's going to be um, Jacob Umaga, right? Oh, it could be. I believe Umaga's going back to... Is he, is he going there? I believe so. I've just... Oh, he's gone there. He will be there already, won't he? I don't know. Jacob, I've just typed in Umaga and uh, Umaga the wrestler's come up. Do you remember him? I never watched wrestling. Oh, a couple of a couple of listeners right now will be... Uh, yeah, yeah, he does play for Benetton. So there yeah. you go. Oh. That's right. As well as half we, of the Italy team. So there you can go. we so, also fact check, um, fact check uh, uh, Tommy Allen and see where he's going? Yep, on it now. And um, whilst we're talking about Italians, um, Jake Pelledri, uh, he is leaving Gloucester at the end of the year, and he is going to Zebra, the other Italian team. Um, obviously fought back from his long-term knee injury. Finally made, came back for the Italian team, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and yeah, he's leaving Gloucester to go to Zebra and wish him all the best because they're having a difficult season and hopefully he can improve their squad and fight back into the Italy team. Yeah. And who will he be playing with, Pop Quiz, in the back row, a former player that he's played with? Matt Vesic. Matt Vesic. Well done. Um, uh, did they actually play together? Did Pelledri ever get through before Kvesic left Gloucester? That's the point, actually. Maybe just, maybe there was like a slight bit of overlap, but... I'm not even sure there was, so you might have just lied. But oh, yeah, former Gloucester well. players, United. Um, um, Perpignan. Perpignan. I thought he was going to France as soon as I said it, but you put me on the spot and I spouted out a load of rubbish. The pressure took over. Yeah, it did. That was quite a lot of uh, foreign news. I, I mean, that sounds bad, but like European news, I should say, not foreign news. Um, quite a lot of European news, considering we don't really go straight into Europe much. But um, oh, Look at us, sir. There we go. Advanced. All continental. Get your croissant and pan of chocolate ready. Look oh, at us. No, James, I'm well hungry. I've not eaten in ages. Don't... Come on. I've got stir-fried tonight. I'm going all well continental. Oh, I think I'm um, having a pie. Oh, Less continental. Eng- yeah, proper English. Um, <laughs> right. We'll start. We'll briefly talk about a couple of games that we did see. Um, and the games, one of, the, well, start with Friday night and uh, Northampton battering Bath. Um, we we both predicted Northampton to win, uh, have a bit of a bounce back after getting smacked around by Bristol the week before, and they kind of did a similar job on Bath. Um, I think at half at half time at seventeen fourteen, but that was never really, uh, never really. It didn't feel like it was ever that close because Northampton just were battering them and just couldn't score, but um, scored some nice tries. Um, James Ram looked really good at fullback, uh, and and yeah, overall they looked a, a lot a lot better than the week before. Yeah, and I think with without being horrible, that's kind of to be expected when you come up against 
when you come up at home against this Bath side at the moment, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's just it's a massive win, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, it's one having lost to Bristol. I mean, it's it was just a manner of the defeat. You had to get that out of your system quickly, um, and yeah, maybe the perfect top, uh, op, uh, opponents there, but yeah, winning that and winning fairly comfortably, yeah, it was just five points. Get in, get out, and make sure you get it done. And with Brist, uh, Northampton now only having three games left, um, and only one home game left. Um, it was big for them to go, to go and uh, yeah, and get get those five points. Uh, I would say the worrying thing, and why I kind of feel that Northampton aren't a true competitor. I mean, that sounds really harsh, but why I don't think is the scoreline was only as close as it was because nearly every time, uh, Bath attacked, they scored. They found it very easy to score. Um, and when you come up, and obviously we know Northampton are free, free, uh, free score inside, a free flow inside, but you can't be given up that amount of points. Um, looking, looking at the points against this season, they are like over a hundred ahead of anyone else. Yeah, they've conceded more than a hundred points, more than anyone else, and how many tries more? Uh, seventeen? No, not quite. Fourteen tries more than anyone else. And I, I just can't see Crazy. how when you come against the top boys with a defense that bad, how you can really compete. It is crazy, isn't it? You look at it, well, if if we're being honest as well, if if Northampton do qualify for the playoffs, it's going to be third or fourth, isn't it? Um, oh yeah. So it's going to be an away semi-final. Can you see Northampton going away to sail or Saracens and picking up a win in a in a semi-final? Uh, well, no. And and the thing is, I don't think I don't really know if I can see anyone doing that. But when you need to make sure if you're going to beat Saracens or sail, you need to make sure you don't concede many, and then when you get your chances, take them. And ultimately, Northampton, yes, may take their chances, but they're going to give up too many. Um, they're fourth, but they've got minus 46 point difference. Um, so, yeah, I think it just shows that, yeah, they're just too leaky at the back, I think. And and ultimately, while they may be able to get away with that through the through the season, um, I think I don't think it will lead to much, unfortunately. I suppose what you could argue is because they are so proficient with scoring tries, if you get them into a semi-final where they just go completely balls to the wall, they could just catch a team like that by surprise and just open them up. And yeah, but you say they're that to play with. You say they're that proficient. They've only scored four more tries than Sale. Yeah, well, no, fair enough, fair enough. In a slightly different way, I imagine for most of. But, um... Yeah, but they've scored four four more than Sale, but conceded thirty one more than Sale. Yeah, that's, that is a crazy stat. That is that's nearly two a game more than Sale. They they're conceded. <laughs> Yeah, and as you say, coming up, coming up against these big boys, though, so it's a tough, tough, tough place to be, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But good for good on them. Is, They're yeah. a good team to watch, at least. Yeah, very exciting. I, I really like the majority of their players now. Just like all, all of them, I just really, really enjoy watching. They're very exciting players to watch, aren't they? Yeah, I just Even say maybe get a defense coach in. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Um, and then the other game we're going to kind of look at was Gloucester against Leicester. Uh, wow, that was a was it boring? I don't know. Nil nil at half time. Probably suggests it wasn't a thriller. 
Um, but yeah, ultimately twenty six five to Leicester at King's Home. Um, probably potentially putting chance, uh, putting all real chance of Gloucester getting into the top four maybe to bed, unless they go on a really good run between now and the end of the season. Um, and I think ultimately it was two things collided. One, Gloucester are very um what's the ineffective in the red zone and have been pretty much all season um and very inefficient and Leicester as we've seen for the last few weeks have really kicked into gear with their de- defense and like we saw against Sarri's um and London Irish a bit as well um going back a few weeks now but against Sarri the Sarri's game London Irish even last week against Bath they don't concede many and um when Gloucester were on their line they just yeah, it was very, very difficult to score. Um, and ultimately, yeah, mixing that inefficiency to score with a very, very good red uh, uh, goal line defence. Yeah, it's only going to end up with one outcome, really. Yeah, no, I, I massively agree. And you, we said we're not going to spend too much time in this game, so I will make this short and sweet. Um, but over the last 10 games, Gloucester are the worst team um, in the Premiership. Uh, but bar none, um, in terms of wins, that they were looking pretty confident before these last ten games that they were going to be going to be one of the big contenders. After this loss, I'd say that is them now out. I'd say out of the race for that playoff spot. I think they'll be incredibly fortunate to earn that back. I also think Quinns are probably in that same spot as well. But we'll talk about Quinns uh, in a moment. Um, yeah, I thought Gloucester were poor. They attacked really well and just didn't finish, as you say. Red zone efficiency was was not good whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I think they're, they're they're slightly they just don't really fit together with their their pack and their backs anymore. I don't think um, at the start of the season when they were fully pumping, when you got a, a Hastings at ten, um, who's a pretty good game controller. You have Mark Atkinson as a, a as your primary playmaker, really outside of Hastings. And then you've got a Santi Carreras who can jump in from 15 and be that secondary 10 slash creator, almost like a an in-between from your Atkinson and your um and your Hastings. Obviously, that's that's changed around for injury. That's not the fault of why they're not in the top four at all. Um, don't want to pin it down to that because they haven't adapted from those injuries uh, well enough at all. Um but I think there'll be a, a bit of a look next season. I think their recruitment's been so good so far, and I think the focus will now probably be on securing a top eight spot rather than a top four, and then moving forward and, and seeing how far they can get with their new look team next year. That being said, probably the complete opposite to Leicester, starting to look really efficient in the red zone, altogether strong as a unit now. I think that the players even though they lose a lot of players to international duty, they have key players in those positions that can come through. Um, well, and... I think since they've had Montoya and uh, Jasper Visa back, they've looked a completely different side. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. They're so key to everything they do, aren't they, through, through two and eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they're, they're massively, massively dominant. Um, secure the set piece. The, the scrum is so... Is so brutal based on the way they break away as well. Um, with Visa, it is um, yeah, they, they are they are hugely important. And I think once you start building around Pollard, getting some get some good form now, uh, the the backs you've got outside of them as well, 
Gloucester don't seem to fit together that back that forward pack and that that back line. They don't seem to fit to the same game plan. Whereas Leicester, just all through the game, all through the games we've seen of recent time, they just fit together perfectly as a fifteen and even to as a, as a twenty three. And I think these these players, George Martin coming off the bench, for example, was was massive. So just banging Geordie Reed all over the shop. Do you know what I mean? Not many people do that. So it's a uh, yeah, I think they just fit together very, very nicely and they're, they're looking to be a serious pack. So I think Gloucester are now out of the top four race, but I think Tigers have probably secured their spot now. Well, yeah, you look at Leicester um, on 48 and uh, same as Northampton. Um, Gloucester have got a game in hand, but are uh, at nine points back. So with four games left, Gloucester, if they want to get top four, have to win all four, really. Yeah, um, and- I just think you look at Tigers' remaining games as well. You've got Bristol at home, which I think they dog out without too much too much problems as long as they can stop Rodrada and Piertal. I think they probably do a job on Exeter as well uh, at home at Welford Road. Um, then they've got a bye week. And then on the final game of the season, they've got Harlequins at home, um, which has the potential to be an absolute cracker on the final day. Um, but I think with all three of those remaining games being home games as well, um, I think they should do it. Yeah, I think I think the best thing for Leicester, they look at this this week. I don't think they played that well, um, particularly, and uh, yeah, they didn't particularly play that well, and they still came away with a four point, uh, five point win away from home, and that's what you've got to look at and and got to do. Um, I think ultimately looking at the table, you can see where Gloucester's problems are. Um, only. Newcastle and Bath have scored less than them, and Bath is only three points less. Well, even Newcastle is only te- just over ten points less, and they're uh, yeah nearly a hundred points less than any of the top four have scored. Um, their defensive record is quite good, but yeah, you, they just don't score um freely enough to win to win enough games. I don't think um to get that top four well, place. Yeah, I think, I think you, you look at last season to this season, they've. Their mall's been snuffed out for the most part and they've lost their attack coach. So having both of those things occur in the same season without sort of any remediation is seemingly less than ideal. Yeah. And only six try bonus points. Although Exeter have only got four. So it could be worse, I guess. Um, Yes. And so then also looking at the other games um, that took place, I've I've lost the week. What round was it? Round... 14, 15, 17, 19, 20, round 20. Um, Exeter 20. got a big win, as we yeah. said um, to a couple of people. Exeter got a big win at home against Newcastle, which I think was A, to be expected, and B, um, I think we we messaged someone and we, they, they asked about Exeter's top four hopes. And we, we were kind of saying, if you've got any hopes of getting top four, you have to beat Newcastle at home. Um and, and yeah, they did. I'm not sure if they got a five point win though. I think that it's only a four point win. Um, uh, one second. Yeah, four point four point win, I believe. Yeah, which is well, when it's so close, that one point could end up being quite oh, it's big. Huge. Yeah, it's huge. So uh, unfortunate for them. Um, but London Irish got a massive win. Um, massive win for them. Uh, Absolutely dominating sale, 36 18. Um, I mean, it, I think it was 22 nil at one point, I believe. Um, and then we were kind of watching the scoreboard and it got down to 20, it came back, I think, to 22 18 at one point. And they were like, oh, here comes sale. 
And then you looked at it again and suddenly an Irish 36-18. So, um, yeah, a well-fought, hard win against a very good sale team um, who quietly have gone a bit off off it recently when you oh, obviously they beat Saracens last week but in their last that's three losses in four and the week before that they only beat Bath by three at home so it's three and three losses in four it's not it, they've quietly gone a little bit off the boil um well can I can I just say in their last three games as, as we're using that as a sample size in their last three games they've won one of the three as you said in that one game that they won against Saracens, do you know how they lined up differently? Uh, Rob Dupreeze was at 10. Rob Dupreeze was at 10 and not 13. And they won both games. Well, Just also, saying. is Sam James being dropped then? Because for yeah. me, he's been underrated how good he's been. Um, Agreed. At, uh, uh, yeah, he's been underrated how good Rob De- uh, Sam James has been at 13. And I think that combination has really, really worked. Um I don't think, yeah, Rob Dupreeze is a good 13 particularly, although before the season I would have said I don't think he's that good at 10. So maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, they've looked better. And the the thing I've got, and I know you've paid George Ford a lot of money and you want him to be, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly that. I, I think you either play George, uh, I think you're exactly right. The, the system is working so well with, it doesn't matter, I think if you put George Ford there or, or Rob Dupreeze, I, I think they've both been, well, we Rob Dupreeze has been awesome. George Ford has got a lot of credit in the bank. Um, George uh, Rob Dupreeze is not great at thirteen, especially when you compare him to Sam James, who has been awesome at thirteen, as you said. Yeah. So. And yeah, Sam James has really unlocked a lot of their uh, back three potential with uh, and allowed O'Flaherty and uh, Roebuck and Carpenter all to really really shine. And yeah, and none none of them are like the biggest names. I mean, they're all. Good, very, very good players in their own right. But you wouldn't say any of them, you go, wow, that's an amazing back three. But this season, they've all shone. And I think a lot of that is Sam James's ability to enable them to have space, his range of passing, and what he, and with Manu Tulangi inside at 12 as well. I think that's helped. Um, and yeah, I think as a back line, yeah, I agree. Either play George Ford or Rob DeFries, don't play both. Um, yeah, but we definitely. did say that was going to be a problem when George Ford came back. We did question it and say, say how is uh, how how do you drop Dupree's in this form? And they they kind of answered it, but it's not gone smoothly. Definitely agree. Did you see the Rory Jennings tackle on Cobus Visa? Yes, I did. Um, because you sent it to me twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I will say. What's Cobus Visa doing? What's Cobus Visa doing? Just score the try. <laughs> Just put the ball down. You're over the line, man. Yeah. You're about um, six it, foot it, flipping thirteen. Yeah, it was just if he just put the ball down or scored it, it would it would have been a easy try. But goodish. Um it was a hell of a hit by Georgia, bloody hell. It was, but Visa was almost like he was celebrating. It was almost like he was because the way he got like ragdolled, he obviously wasn't expecting it and he hadn't like braced for the hit. So he was almost like he thought he'd already scored or something. I don't know what was going on there. Well, I reckon he's thinking, I'm probably just going to, like, if this guy hits me, I'm probably just going to fall over the top of him. So he, he, like, almost starts to lean in. And then as he starts to lean in, he just gets absolutely rattled straight into touch. But I know we jo- we're joking about it and everything, but that is genuinely a massive turning point in the game. And if that yeah, is... Uh... It's just stupid, really. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. 
It's fuming. Uh, interesting. He, yeah, <laughs> I don't really know how to uh, to, yeah, to describe it any further it, than yeah. that. If you haven't seen it, it's it's very odd. He's over the line and then just gets absolutely smashed and such. Um, and then the big result, and I will now give Bristol more credit. Bristol absolutely battered Harlequins. Um, which now I think deserves a bit more credit, and I'll give them a bit. Obviously, I said they need to back up the Northampton win before everyone starts going mad, obviously, with um, just that one-off result. I said they need to back it up, and that's the second game in a row they've scored 50. And, um, yes, suddenly they are definitely top four contenders uh, sitting in seventh, seven points behind Northampton with a game in hand. So Doesn't that sound weird? They're definitely what? top. They're definitely top four candidates now. They've just got into seventh. Sounds sounds crazy, doesn't it? But, well, it's only three positions below, isn't it? It's not like I'm saying ninth is. Um, yeah, I know, but but yeah, you said about Quinns earlier on. Very detrimental to their um, top four hopes. They've got left. Who have Quinns got left? Quinns have got Saracens away. Ouch. They've then got Newcastle at home, so they should win that. They've then got Bath at home, so that's another nice fixture. But then they end the season at Leicester at home away. So you'd say that's probably as well, as well. You'd say ten points is it's going to be more difficult to get more than ten, and with being eight points behind Northampton and Leicester already, that could be problematic. Yeah, I think it's going to be. Well, the, the the next game is huge. The the next game is make or break. I think. Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's going to be a great game as well. Big um, game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, live on ITV. Why is it at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? What the hell? I think Saracens are starting to do what Quinns do. I don't mind what? that. I don't mind it. You know how Quinns do yeah, the big but... game. It's because I don't mind. Yeah, how... but it's just kind of not fair, is it? Because not every team can do that. So well, this is what I was going to say. I, I I quite like that they're doing it against Quinns. It's a bit like they go Quinns. You have your big yeah. game when I've asked. Fairs. But yeah, for Bristol putting another 50 points on uh, a team looking good. And how, also, how good is Harry Randall? Harry Randall is very good. What I was just about to say, actually, and maybe you can say the same about Harry Randall, how influential is Marcus Smith? Like, Quinns haven't looked great in any week recently at all, apart from last week, where they absolutely battered um, Exeter. And because Marcus Smith played, Marcus Smith did not play this week, did he? I don't believe so. Uh, no, he was playing for England. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, um, that went swimmingly for him. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, it shows how influential he is. And, and similarly, in a similar vein, uh, Bristol looked like a different side with Harry Randall in the team. Yeah, definitely. I, I think Harry okay. Randall has given him the zip to unlock Radrada and Piertal, who have been awesome over the last couple of games. And then I think once you've got those guys pulling some serious strings, you then unlock your Chris Vui, who's been who looked really good Yeah. Your Magnus Bradbury's looking better. Your Batley's looking better. More influential. Thacker's been in great form recently. When you have that speed of ball, get it out to your your star boys, and then once you're playing off of those star boys, then you then all of your players who have been good are going to look awesome because they're playing off of uh, the space and sort of moves that these guys are putting on. So, quite looking forward to seeing Genji and Sinclair come back into this system as well. Oh, I think they'll mess it up. Thacker for an England call up. I'd love to see Thacker in there. If if the rumours are true and Thacker's moving, I, I'd be I'd be fuming if I was a Bristol fan. 
Yeah, no, that wouldn't be um wouldn't be great really. You'd be a bit annoyed. But yeah, another literally since we've said it, I reckon they listen to the pod. Since we said Semi Rodrada and Charles Biotani need to step up, they've both been flying. This week Biotani with two tries and Rodrada with one. Like they must be avid listeners. Yeah, agreed. They must be. It's the only literally the only plausible it's the only plausible solution. Yeah. Um so, lads, if you're listening, um, to Bristol. Should we reach do a out and, and we'll have you on the pod. Yeah, yeah, both actually. Yeah, good. Yeah, good point. Um, Are yeah, we going to yeah, do a good. quick table run round at the end of the fixtures? Oh, is that that is the end of the fixtures, isn't it? That is the end of the fixtures. What do you mean we're doing te- quick table run round? Um, yeah, I can do a quick rundown. And um, so Saracen sale gone. That's so clear. Uh, Leicester yeah. on third in, on forty eight with three games left. Northampton on forty eight with three games left. Irish on forty six. With three games left. And then it's Exeter on 43 with four games left. Bristol on 41 with four. Quinn's on 40 with four. And Gloucester on 39 with four. And then Newcastle and Bath are 12 points bottom. Um so, so I, yeah. I think I it think... is it's one of it's I think it's down to between third to seventh now. I think Quinn's and, and, and Gloucester are probably gone. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, Bath and Newcastle are gone. We. Oh well, yeah, obviously. But I don't know. They physically, they physically yeah. can't get top four. Like, it's not mathematically possible. Yeah, so they're they're out. I think Gloucester are now out. I don't think Gloucester get top four. Probably question marks around top eight as well. Um, Harlequins. I think if they get a win this weekend, they're still in it. However, it. It is a it's crucial that they win this weekend. If they don't win this weekend, they're hundred percent out of it. But I think this this game is the make or break for their season. Um, Bristol, I think, just with their momentum, is huge. They might get a result against Leicester, but I don't think I, I'd probably back Leicester in that one. But if they get a result there, I think they're probably looking at they're they're very very strong contended for a top four spot. And then I think everyone above that is is. In for a looking, obviously. I think Bristol is the turning point. Quinns are uh, uh, optimistic, I think, maybe. And then yeah, well, I think I think Bristol. Uh, you've got to be optimistic because even if they win the five, even if they win their game and end with five points, they're still a, a, a good couple of points behind. Um, uh, they're a good couple of points behind uh, the top four, and also. Just looking at their fixtures, no disrespect to Newcastle or Bath, but they haven't. Most of the teams around them have got one of one, or if not both of them, to play. Where they do not, they have uh, Leicester away, very difficult. Sale at home, not going to be easy. Exeter away, we know Sandy Park's a difficult place to play, and then Gloucester at home, um, which Gloucester might be out of it by then, so that might be one you'd expect them to win, but. Yeah, it's, it's it's going to be difficult for Bristol. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Did we speak but, about the Exeter game? Yeah, briefly. Yeah, briefly. Cool. You don't need to talk about all the games, Will. We're moving on now. We're going yeah, to the no, Six that's Nations. Fine. That's fine, I'm with you, I'm with you. We're going to the Six Nations, because that's fun. And um, as an English fan, woo, can't wait to talk about this. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll, we'll start in uh, Wales. No, we won't. We'll start in Italy, technically. Um yeah. And I feel like it was almost a replay of the England game. 
Italy yeah. just like didn't come out in the first half. From I will say again, I was on my phone. Uh, I was watching it on my phone, and I didn't see that. Uh, I wasn't fully concentrated. But from what I saw, Italy just didn't turn up again in the first half, and then second half they decided right, we'll turn up and won the second half fourteen seven. Um, I'm pretty sure they won the second half against England as well. But you can't leave yourself twenty, nearly nineteen points down in a test match, um, and even against Wales, you can't expect to win against that game. Yeah, exactly that. I, I did think the first try was a little bit. It, it was it was a brutal one to watch, isn't it? Especially as a neutral, that that well, horrible bounce of the ball. But it's yeah, just on you for letting that ball bounce twice. Yeah, I feel like uh, was it Bru? I'm pretty sure it's Bruno who who let it bounce, and I don't really, I can't really say that I rate him particularly highly. But um, yeah, I feel like Italy made a couple of mistakes, and fair play to Wales, they were clinical in in. Um, scoring them and, and the early tries uh, you have to look at the defence of Italy again uh, for the Liam Williams try where he ran basically through about three players and nobody could seem to tackle him um, and it, again similar to England where England had it all mostly all their own way in the first half it felt very similar again Italy then decided to turn up and look much more like the team we've been used to for the last year um, but unfortunately it's too late um, scored a nice, really nice try from um, Negri, uh, through Negri with uh, a little chip over from Tommy Allen. Um, an interesting one to say, maybe you could argue that they've looked worse since Garbisi's come back. Obviously, I, I think not many people would argue that Garbisi's probably overall a better 10 than Tom uh, Tommaso Allen. But um, obviously, Tommy Allen at fullback for this one. But whether it, the structure that Italy can then play off would works better for them. Um, and whether that means that Tommy Allen's actually a better option, potentially, maybe Garbisi could go to fullback, maybe they could switch and that could solve it as obviously Garbisi is a bit more of a maverick and, uh, and can, can uh, offer threats maybe wider. Maybe that's a, that's a way to look at it. But um, yeah, I, do, I, I, don't, I, I think one of the things is, I think you compare Garbisi to last season to this season. I think he's much more used to playing with, these players in in Montpellier now. Um, a couple of the times he sort of ran where maybe the, the back line wasn't where he wanted it to be. He sort of improvised and threw a, maybe like a shorter pass or or a more direct, longer pass. And the, the team couldn't adapt to it where maybe in Montpellier, if they're running those sort of plays, you do have that adaptation and sort of um, ability to sort of improvise in that situation so you could see him getting more and more frustrated and the more frustrated he got the more mistakes he was making which was a shame to see I, I also think you wonder what impact Capuozzo uh, could have made as well um, yeah, just in that clinical edge of, of scoring tries like we know he can yeah um, I think the thing, other thing with Garbisi as you look at it he hasn't um, obviously he's just come back from injury so he hasn't really been training as much as he True. necessarily would have with, with his teammates and obviously, when you're away on international duty, you do have to build up that rapport again with with these players because you haven't played with them for six months, five months, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, maybe that is a factor. But yeah, and maybe is it may be Tommy Allen being at ten because then you can let Garbisi play a bit more, maybe at fifteen. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a way for it. But looking at it from worst perspective, obviously massive for them because. It means all, all likelihood they're not going to get the wooden spoon now. Um, but again, looked maybe, I don't know, it's difficult. Were they slightly better or were Italy 
not great. I don't know. I don't know. It's difficult to know for a Welsh from Welsh fans' perspective. Again, uh, like the Rio Dia try came from nothing. Um, and, and the Liam Williams was a bit of luck, like he got kicked away from a ruck accidentally, and then and then they kind of reacted well to score it. But again, no real creation, a penalty try so from a rolling mall, and uh, a big hole left down the middle, which Reese Webb spotted and just went through. But I think most nines who play on a Saturday at any level would have spotted the, the gap in the defensive line if he left. So I do think you would worry a little bit, maybe again from a Welsh perspective of not too much created, but then you have scored four tries. So maybe you can't really complain. Yeah, agreed. I, I do think uh, Wales had more intent. They, they seem to have more of a yeah a desire to yeah. actually go and do these things, right? And I, I yeah. did think that Reese Webb at nine, I know you say obviously a lot of the stuff he did was kind of aided severely by the Italian uh, defensive structure. Um, but he seemed to have a better idea of when it was on, when a kick was better to to use, when when to sort of carry himself, when to to pop it, when to to throw it out into the backs. I don't know whether that was coming from him or commands from um, Williams at ten, maybe, but he, he just seemed to have the better decision making, didn't he? And Where does Owen Williams well. play? Ten. No, no, for club. Club Ospreys. And with Reese Webb. Yes. Which probably makes sense why they had that bit of understanding. To be honest, I've always been quite a big fan of Reese Webb. I've always thought he's quite a good player, and I, I, I've argued many a time he's probably Wales is the best option at nine. Um, How old do you reckon he is? He's getting on a bit now, isn't he? Yeah. What's, what's your guess? Thirty-four. Oh, oh, well played. Well played. He is. Yeah. He's younger. He's older than Ben Youngs, which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. In my head, Ben Youngs is like ancient, ancient when he's not actually that old. Um, but uh, yeah, Reese Webb, maybe that link up play, yeah, they look better. I think Owen Williams, they look a bit more dangerous. But um, again, as I said, all nearly all their points in that first half when Italy really weren't really at the races. So I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, I don't know where Wales are going to go. Um, and in a way, I find it quite funny. So moving on, um... <laughs> I will. I will say, it's almost it's almost tough on Wales that they've slowly started to build, and they they've got a result. And to be honest, a lot of people, including us, had what Italy as favourites going into this game. And yeah. Wales, to be fair to them, they won the game. That you can only play what's in front of them, and they did, and they won. So credit to them on that front. It's a shame now that the bounce back is to go and play France, who have just. <laughs> Slowly got better and better through the the tournament, and now look pretty awesome. Yeah, well, I think yeah. When you speak about France, um, we're going to do a team of the week in a minute. Well, I am anyway because Will's too lazy to do one, so he's just going to sponge off mine basically. Um, and there's one player in particular, um, and I'm going to mention it. I'm not going to mention him now, but um, which may have helped them really like explode like they have because although they've had, I'd say flashes throughout the tournament. I wouldn't say they've ever really like had the complete package like they did against England this week. Um, but um, yeah, overall England just way off it uh, from what Ramos scored. Was it in the second minute Ramos scored something like that? And yeah, a massive break down the side. And from then on, 
England just was second best pretty much to everything. Um, got the one try through Freddie Stewart, but ultimately it was a very bad day for England. I bet Eddie Jones was loving every minute of it. Um, yeah, that's for sure. I it, I think it's a difficult one. Um, and I I was, we were speaking about it before the podcast, and I kind of said Steve Borthwick's now in a very difficult position because they're going to go and play Ireland uh, in Ireland, which let's be honest who really has any hope. So whether he he can change the whole 15 now, like some people want him to, or most of the 15, um, and then try and play, uh, try something new, and we might get battered. Or he can pretty much stay with mostly the same team, and we might go and get battered. And then either way, people will be like, oh, why, didn't, why have you done this? Why? So I think he's in a very difficult position. There's also limited, I think this after the Island game, there's four games, I believe, or... Um, after the Ireland game, before this World Cup. So whether he does want to uh, make wholesale changes, I'd suggest probably not. Although, if if you're based on this week, you ain't going to get anywhere with this lot playing like this anyway, so you might as well. Um, but I would say the one for me, I think, give George Ford a go. You might as well. You knew, you know how well he can perform under your in your system like last year. Um but the one thing I might say as as a kind of uh, it might be a bit controversial, but maybe he deliberately had this result. Not he didn't obviously tell the players to lose, but he deliberately set them out there, and knew that this wasn't going to work because obviously he's had a lot of people saying to him, "Marcus Smith, this, Marcus Smith, that," and now he can kind of go, "Well, look, I tried Marcus Smith, it doesn't work." So now he can go back to whether it's Farrell or if he brings him forward, and he can go, "Well, I've tried Smith, and he just it just didn't work." Um, and now they've got battered. I think, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it is difficult. It's 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 so tough as well because Marcus Smith could have played the best game of his life, and on the back of a pack that is getting battered like that, you you're not gonna. Do you know I mean he's not gonna imp- improve? He he's not gonna run rings around that French back line every time that France were getting France were dominating the English pack. Like you've got no front football to work off, so he would have had to been absolutely spotless in his in his attacking play to get anything going on that, let alone win the game. So incredibly harsh if if Borthwick did just say, "Well, we tried Smith and it didn't work," but I could also see how it would give gives him that foothold to do so. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if we see Ford come back in, but also if rumours are to be believed, and maybe the team will be out by the time you're listening to this. Um, maybe the game's been played by the time you listen to this, but it seems like we're going to see a Farrell, Tuolangi and Slade trio through the, the 10, 12, 13. Well, I think that's the team, uh, not team, the, the, that was kind of what was expected maybe at the start of the tournament. Um, maybe if, yeah, Farrell, and some people would have said that's the strongest. Uh, obviously the 10, uh, shirt would have been some people might have put Smith there but I feel like that was kind of hinted at um, and for me I feel like you've just got to get Manny Tuolangi in this team especially like if it wasn't working like if it was working really well and Manny was not in the team I think you can kind of justify it and go look yeah, the team's in a structure and he doesn't quite fit that structure but when you've got a player like that and especially obviously with Ollie Lawrence out now for this game um i think he gives you that option um and he has 
a di- he brings something different. Obviously, we know for so many years Eddie Jones was just trying to find a, a Manu Tolangi replacement when he was injured, um, and I think he offers. A, and I think even if it's just um, the opponents being a bit worried, like you look on the team sheet, and you're like, oh shit, I've got like the twelves looking. He's like, oh shit, I've got Manu Tolangi against me today. It's just the name. Even like Ollie Lawrence doesn't have that name about it. No, no disrespect to Ollie Lawrence, but people looking at the name, it's not gonna, it's not really gonna strike fear into you. But if you look at Manu Tuolangi, it just it's certainly in, in you is probably a bit like, oh, great. I don't. I would. I'd rather not play against him. Um, yeah. So no, I get you. Yeah. I, I think what a lot of a lot of the arguments coming in, especially when you look at people arguing the Lawrence Tuolangi debate, obviously because. Lawrence has been so influential for Bath this season and now he's come in and, and done a good job for England as well once he's featured. Um, the debate is who has been better this season, Ollie Lawrence or, or Tuolangi. I think I think for me, Lawrence takes a lot of the headlines. He, he features on a lot of the highlight reels. He, he breaks a lot because he's played in that 13 channel where the space has already been made. I think what Manu does a lot, maybe not as good as he's done in previous years, um, but he makes that space for others, even when he's not running the length against the All Blacks and, and, and all of that sort of good stuff, which is obviously what he's made his name for a lot of the time. He's committing defenders for then players to attack on and wrap round from. So I'd be interested to see how he flows in that 12 shirt, hopefully well. Um, yeah. And also you look at it with... Um... Uh, like we gave a lot of credit to Sam James, and I feel like a lot of what he's able to do is off the back of him having more time because the defence can't fire up on him because they don't know what Manu Tuolangi is going to do inside of him and how dangerous um, how, yeah, how dangerous he could be, uh, what options he offers. i tell you what could be interesting, and obviously can't do it for this game because Lawrence is injured, but if you put Manu Tuolangi 12 and Ari Lawrence 13. I would be very keen for that, but I think you have to have Marcus Smith. Oh, actually do? No, actually, yeah, I think that's, I think that could work. I think it's potential. And also, the other thing I would say about Ollie Lawrence and you're saying about the seasons, I would say Ollie Lawrence, I think, has looked even better because Bath have been so bad. Like, do well, you know what well, I mean? Maybe true, yeah. Maybe true. Like, he he's shining in a bad team, whereas Tulangi's been a bit quieter, but in a very good team. Um, well, not it's very similar to Nathan Hughes. It's very similar yeah. to Nathan Hughes last season coming to Bath. Yeah, not to disrespect what um, uh, Ollie Lawrence has done at Bath, because... I think we've seen in recent weeks without him how much different, uh, how much of a worse team they are. But he's come in; he looks like lightning because everyone around him is not playing that well. Um, but yeah, England in a very difficult position. France look great, and as you said, they've grown into this tournament. Um, it's a bit of a shame they're not playing Ireland this weekend. Um, say they played uh, England in the second week rather than Ireland. Because then that would have really built, um, and especially with some of the injuries Ireland now got, you probably back France to um, to be winning the the Grand Slam in that case. Um, but talking of Ireland, they're just too good, aren't they? Like Scotland put in a put in a shift, but ultimately Ireland just cruised away, didn't they? Yeah, they're, they're unbelievable. There, there is. There is no doubt at all that they're the best team in the world right now. It's it's a joke. Like by distances, why well. they're just awesome. Yeah. Um, well, you look at it, and everything pretty much went wrong against them uh, for them. Their starting nine got injured. 
Um, their start, not nine, sorry, their starting hooker got injured. Their starting second, uh, this one of their starting second rows broke his arm. Then their uh, their substitute hooker gets injured. You end up for pretty, uh, for the whole second half. Josh van der Fleer throwing in your lineouts and Kean Healy coming in um, to uh, to hook when he's obviously a prop. Um, shout out to Andrew Porter who, who gave a full eighty because obviously his his prop replacement <laughs> was playing hooker. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and everything kind of went against them, and they were on. Uh, shout out to Ireland as well, uh, Scotland, because they played their part in the game massively and and for the first half, not allowing Ireland to score. I think I, I heard a statistic. It was something like it was the first time it it was like t- at least ten games. It might have been even more than that that Ireland haven't scored a try in the first ten minutes of, a, of the game. Really, that's, that's big credit to Scotland. Yeah, and they were right on the line for ages as well. But um, Ireland ended up kicking a penalty. But um, yeah. Uh, fair play to Scotland. They they tried their best, but in the end, Ireland are just too good. I think the amount of talent they've got everywhere. Um, no surprise, a lot of their players are in the team of the week. So I'm not going to point out too many players. Um, but even the likes of obviously, I know he's been injured, but Gibson Park coming off the bench. Um, and just really like controlling things. Uh, when he came on. Uh, yeah, yeah but they look so bloody good I, I don't remember ever seeing a team maybe maybe it's potentially more like a a, a bit of bias because I don't think I, I see I've, I've seen any teams players regularly at this level as, as Ireland but I don't remember a team ever fitting to a system so fluidly that any player that comes in will continue that fluency in well, the sense of you look at you look at the debate England are having when Tuolangi went out and we didn't have too long last year under Eddie Jones, there was big panic because we couldn't play that same style. And then all of a sudden we have to change the game plan. There's panic who comes in. How do we how do we look to adjust this? And then you, you see the same with Borfwick. Now Lawrence has gone out. So it's can Tulangi do the same job still? There's panic. We that's one position that, that stretches across everywhere. Yeah, this but one, I think it oh, sorry to interrupt, but I think it also um shows to the the um just the depth of talent in Ireland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even to like your fringe players, like Jamie Osborne coming through. He, I have no doubt. I know he hasn't proved it really yet, but I have no doubt that he could come in and hold his own and be one of the more impressive players on that pitch if he comes in at twelve for Ireland. So it's. Yeah, it's I tell you what. Level. And yeah, they have players like Robbie Henshaw come back as well, um, which is massive for them. The one position they do struggle though, they can't find a bloody ten. Um, although. I do have to give him credit. Every time Ross Burns come on in this tournament, he has looked quite good. Um, but yeah, they are they can't find someone to replace Johnny Sexton. They don't need um, to. Man. They got they got Van der Fleer on the bench or, or, or starting. He'll just go ten. He can do yeah, everything he'll else. He'll so. just do it all. Um, from a Scotland perspective, yeah, it's just I think just too much. Um, and ultimately, obviously they've got Italy. So, but I guess. A good tournament for obviously if they beat Italy, but a good tournament for Scotland, but maybe a little bit disappointing because I feel like they kind of had after the Wales win, they kind of I feel like they kind of hyped themselves up a little bit too much and kind of thought, oh, we're going to win the whole thing here. Um, unfortunately, they beat two of the worst teams in the uh, in the competition. Um, 
but yeah, I feel like at this moment in time, Scotland have really solidified themselves as the third best team in the tournament. Yeah, I agree. I think Clive Woodward and two, I know he's caused a lot of controversy with some uh, interested opinions. Um, but one thing I do agree with is he said that the there's currently two tiers within the Six Nations. You have tier one, which is Ireland, France and Scotland. And you have tier two, which is England, Wales and Italy right now. And I do think Scotland are just on the edge of being as good as those other two. And then I do think England, Wales and Italy are wanting to get... I don't know. I reckon... I would say right this... In, in this tournament even, there's actually kind of three. I would say it's... um. The top two are clear, and I think Italy and Wales are a bit off. But I'd say England and Scotland are fairly similar. Like even you saw it when they played; it was a tight game, twenty three twenty nine. It's a tight game, um, and I, I would say if England actually performed to their capabilities, um, I think England could potentially be third. But yeah, it this tournament so far. Uh, what I was trying to think, I think what I was trying to say is I feel like the gap between England and Scotland is potentially smaller than the gap between Scotland and France and Ireland. Yeah, well, uh, maybe maybe France, maybe not Ireland, because I do think Ireland is a crazy distance ahead. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, also, there's a bit of controversy around Mac Hansen scoring his first try, where loads of people have said, oh, he was in touch, blah, blah, blah. blah. If you actually watch it though, Van der Merwe, you look in a way you're lucky that it was given as a try because Van der Merwe probably would have got a yellow card and it would have been a penalty try because he just I don't know if you've seen it, um, but he just comes across and just shoulders him into touch. Yeah, I actually haven't seen this one. I'm not sure what you're you're talking about on this one. Okay, but basically it's one of those classic covering kind of tackles, but there's just no arms in it, and um. Yeah, I, I reckon if it hadn't been uh had it had it not counted as a try, he probably would have uh just uh as, as given his penalty try and a yellow card anyway. So probably better off that they didn't get um uh, yeah. didn't uh, didn't get not given, if that makes sense. Also, controversially, Van der Merwe can't defend. Not even that controversial. Van der Merwe can't defend. No, he's he's an attacking player, isn't he really? Yeah, he, he can't he, defend at all. You'll get a couple of really big shots from him, but it's not what he's in the squad to do. No, and he gets, and I feel like that's the problem with both him and Stein on the wings. They're kind of very fairly similar, and neither of them are that defensively solid. Um, I tell you what, I was impressed with was Stein's mark. Do you see that? The yeah, he called that was very impressive. yeah when he slid into touch. Yeah, and just called it before that was that was yeah yeah takes a lot more than meets the eye to do that. Um, no, yeah, a lot of co- co- coordination because it would have been very easy, so focused on calling the mark before you're in touch to have not caught the ball cleanly. Yeah, exactly. Fair play, Jim. But yeah, I do yeah. think his stock has come up this tournament. I'll, I'll be, I'll be brutally honest. I didn't think he was particularly special coming into this this tournament, but he's, but he's proven himself a lot to me, though. I think he, he's um. I, I, I think when you've got a Darcy Graham in the team, Darcy Graham starts. Obviously. Yeah, I think I think he doesn't get into any other team apart from Italy, though. But um, what, what what he gives you is he gives you a solid player to come in and be. A, a you are going to argue with me, and then you realise I was right. <laughs> I was just trying to think off my head, but yeah, I think he, he doesn't get into any other team apart from Italy on the wing. Well, I don't I think, think he's the, good. And Darcy Graham is unreal. 
the difficult thing with that though is the wingers in the other teams are awesome. Yeah. Also, I reckon I'd rather have Sean Maitland. Just put that. Um, I like Sean Maitland. I think he's a good player. I, I like Sean Maitland. Don't get me wrong, but I, I just think Stein deserves a bit of credit because I think he's been good. Yeah. Well, each to your own, and uh, you're wrong. But anyway, <laughs> on to my team of the week. Um, I have um gone for a lot of Irish and French as you can expect, uh, with a sprinkling of uh, Welsh and Scottish. Okay, I will I will jump in where I can, because I... It sounds like a nice... I've made like a nice pie or something here, like a little sprinkle of... Unfortunately, no Italians or, or English in my... make it into my team. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think looking at the results, like you can't... Like Wales are... Definitely the second worst team, and you can't lose and then get in our team. And England, yeah, yeah. Um, so at props, I've actually gone all Irish and I've gone Porter. I gave him a bit of a shout out before, but obviously played the full 80. Looks really good. Um, it's just a beast at scrum time, beast at in the loose. Um, and also, maybe a bit controversially, I've gone Kean Healy. Because nice. I think to do, I know he didn't play prop, but to do what he did, and come in and uh, hook, uh, uh, and being a very dominant Ireland scrum from when he came on, um, yeah, I think fair play. Uh, and also, it was obviously it had to be a pre like they knew he could obviously play there because uh, apparently they have to have officially said he could have he can hook. Because otherwise it would have gone to uncontested scrums. So, uh, yeah, so they knew he could do it. But, yeah, to do it as well as he did. Um, but although, I don't know, is it accomplishment having three props in your, scr- in your front row and then suddenly being really good at scrummaging? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's It's a, it's a difficult one, isn't it, that? But I guess I guess I give him more, uh, obviously give him more plaudits because he's having to hook, which is something he's not used to doing. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I'm all for that selection. Yeah. So portering Healy, um, yeah, just looked really dominant. Especially, I didn't watch that much of the first, Scotland first half, and I can't lie, but I, I got all the second half, and that's when Ireland really turned the wick. So I may be a bit harsh to Scotland in some of my views, because um, obviously they were a lot more competitive up in the first half. Um, into the uh, oh no, Hooker, sorry, uh, I've gone for Marshon, um, a fairly straightforward pick. No Hooker really stood out. Um, Particularly, uh, obviously, Ireland lost both of theirs in about forty minutes. I think um, I'm putting Keane Healy at hooker. No, I'm putting Keane Healy, Healy at prop because he is a prop. Right, okay. Yeah, but he hooked. He played hooker. I don't care. He is a prop because I couldn't. Fit, I couldn't find another prop. So, oh. um, yeah, he's a prop. So he's playing prop. No, Marshawn's going to. You know, why not? We'll have Keane Healy at prop, uh, uh, hooker, and Marshawn at prop if you want. But um, no, but Keane Healy played hooker. Yes, I know. So you give you give... play prop. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you're given a, a hooker, yeah. someone who played hooker. Yeah. You're putting it in the team in a position he didn't play this weekend. Yeah. I'm not okay with that. List, listeners, if you're going to give him some smoke, give feel free. Give him both barrels. Okay, well, I couldn't find another prop that I really liked. Okay, James. Um, you, your, your decision, mate. You do well, you, buddy. 
I was actually looking at it. I, I looked at the French scrum statistics and I expected to put, put a French prop in there, but they actually gave away more penalties than they won. Oh, that's interesting, actually. Which, uh, uh, scrum time. And I was like, oh, well, um, I might have got that wrong, but I'm pretty sure they gave away two scrum penalties and England only gave away one. So um, I was like, I can't put a French prop in there. Um, and then, yeah, Marshawn, he's just brilliant everywhere, isn't he? We've said about Marshawn before. Excellent player. Um, if in doubt and you're struggling for hookers, go for Marshawn. Yeah. Um, into the row, and I've gone Flamine or Flamont or what, Flamon or I think it's whatever Flamont. you call him. Yeah, I think it's Flamont. Flamont. I like to call him Flamine because it sounds better. But Flamont, whatever. Scored yeah. two tries. Really aggressive carrier um and he i believe he was also the one that made the initial break for the ramos try as well yeah um, very good very good but very strong carrier i think that's something we haven't really seen too much in his game um up to this point but yeah really really carried well scored, took his tries well um and it's what a tournament examine because i'm not gonna lie i didn't really know who he was before this tournament started um definitely know his name now yeah, you know, he's, he's good. This is the thing with the French um, depth, right? Like, they've got so many players that could be in, aren't in, have been in, are still to be in, and just been awesome. So, well, it's uh, like, you think of the back row they had this week was Olivon, uh, Aldrit, and Cross. Is it Cross? Crow? Whatever he's called. Um, and you think, Jalonch has been unbelievable all tournament. You've got Waki to come back into that as well. Um, so yeah, really, yeah. really good depth. And I've also gone shout out for uh, Welsh David Jenkins. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, David Jenkins. Really like David Jenkins. Like David Jenkins. Don't know if he played particularly well. I can't lie. But uh, <clears throat> I want his Welsh in here. And yeah, I thought, don't know if he played particularly time. well, but you're just putting him in. James, this is a very unconvincing team of the week so far, oh, based on your reasons. You find another second row did well. It's difficult. No, I'm not, not disputing that it's difficult, but... It was difficult to find another second row that played well, and I thought David Jenkins deserved a show. Um, yeah. At six, I've gone for Olivon. Um, again, very switched on. bit harsh, actually, on... Uh, uh, what is Scotland six called? Um, what's Scotland six called? Uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know who lined up at six this weekend. Um, their captain, uh, uh oh, Jamie Ritchie. Jamie Ritchie, he I'm pretty sure he was six, he might have played at seven, but I'm pretty sure he played six. He was very good, um, very combative, but uh, although some people are disputing that. This happened. Luke Pierce did walk him back twice for um, chatting back to the ref. Yeah, um, a good look. Yeah, but he was the captain. So some people are like, yeah, but he's the one surely who's meant to be talking to the ref. But uh, yeah, so there's some controversy there, I guess. But uh, I've gone for Olive on two tries again in a dominant pack. Um, just carries well, does everything well, doesn't he? And of obviously one of his tries a bit, a lot more. Um, Conventional crashing over, but one of his tries very switched on to know that there's no offside line once the ball's over the try line, and he can just dive on and put his hand on the ball. Yep. 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 Uh, yep. Nothing yep. to add. Nope. 
good. At seven, I've got Van der Fleer, uh, for obvious reasons. Obviously, obvious became reasons. started. Uh, he, he's a brilliant player anyway, and then started throwing in the line out. And I think they only missed one or maybe two. They were quite. He was quite successful actually. Um, but yeah, fair play to him. Uh, and then at eight, I've gone for Tulupe Falatau. Thought about Aldri, Falatau scored a try, um, and kind of set up the Liam Williams one. Looked a bit more dangerous. A look bit a bit more back to what we know he can do this week. Um, I think Doris deserves a shout out as well. Yeah. But agree on both. Um, I th- I thought uh, Aldrey was awesome as well. I think that uh, one of the reasons I like Aldrey so much this weekend is he's actually taken a little bit of stick that he's not performed to the level that we've seen from him. Um, in a similar way to we always say about Dupont, we know he's unbelievable. So to get these sort of commendations each week, he needs to be extra unbelievable to to keep that high mantle going. Uh, I think Aldrey is relatively the same, and he turned up this week very much turned up so yeah, yeah. Pretty, uh, I like all three of those shots yeah I I had all of them I, I chose Falatau because I I felt like I deserved to uh, well not I deserve not they I'm oh, sorry I deserve I don't deserve anything Um, but I felt the Welsh deserved I don't know if we've really had any Welsh players in any of our team of the weeks and I thought oh they finally won let's put a few of them in um, yeah win them back over arguably this is probably controversial at nine I've got get. I've got two. I haven't really decided, but I've got Gibson Park because I felt like when he came on, he really showed his class and really took the game away from Scotland. Um, and I feel like there was previously a debate whether him or uh, Connor Murray was the best nine to start for Ireland. I don't think there's a debate at all there anymore. I think Gibson Park's the much more effective player and really allows that Ireland machine to roll at full steam. Um so he yeah, really, fast. really affected the game when he came back. But I've also got Reese Webb. Um... Yeah, Reese Webb was awesome as well. What? It's so you saying you're not going to Pont? No, I'm not going to Pont. Brutal though. Yeah, but I exactly. I he did play well, but like, it's it. It was not like when he played against Ireland. Do you know what I mean? I don't know, man. I thought it was awesome. That was probably the best game I've seen from DuPont in so in a while. What about the Ireland game? He was unreal that game. Yeah, I thought I thought he was better in this game. Yeah, but it's 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 yeah, but it was easier to be better in this game because of how shit England were. Yeah, you can definitely argue that. That you could yeah, you could definitely say that. But I, I thought he was incredible. But I also thought Reese Webb was really, really good. Um yeah. didn't I feel see like... as much of the Gibson Park one, but yeah, I yeah. went for Gibson Park more because he I felt like he kind of almost changed the game. Um, a bit more, and like it, like as soon as he came on, right? Ireland, oh, this Ireland won this game. I felt like as soon as he came on, the control and uh, what he gave to Ireland, I felt like right, this is him winning the game. Where I feel like France probably would have beaten Dupont with me at nine, uh, beaten Dupont, beaten England with me at nine because they were that dominant. Yeah, yeah, pr- probably so. I, I do get that argument. Yeah, I, I can, I can, uh. I can go with that, but I just want to acknowledge that I yeah, think no, it was yeah. unbelievable. And again, it's it's a bit with the Van der Fleer one, but I thought I asked because he went above and beyond. But I was like, it we could put Dupont in nearly every week. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, um, no, that's, that's very true. It. I've actually gone for Johnny Sexton at ten. Okay, nice. Um, thought he played well. Again, a classic Johnny Sexton display. Really controlled the game for large parts. Um. 
just everything. I, I think everything I would want in a uh, in a ten. Yeah, it's just decision making is just yeah. The Tom Brady of not necessarily like the goat, but like as in how he plays the very controlled. You always feel like he knows what he's doing and going to win. Yeah, agreed. And to to name drop a little bit, um, speaking to Danny Cipriani on Twitter, Cip- mainly Cipriani. about <laughs> Cipriani. I was going to call him Danny Sips, but then I thought I don't really know him like that. I don't know why I would call him that. I'll call him by his actual name, Danny Cipriani. Um, mainly talking about twelves. It, it looked more of a focus on twelves, and he said about how we look. A lot of stuff today is about size and and speed and all of that sort of archetype. He said, but the main thing in that in a back line is is the decision making, and it's you have to have the skill set there, obviously, but then you have to have those split second decision making sort of abilities to to really take that to the next level. And I think that is Johnny Sexton to to a T, isn't it? He's he's not the biggest hitter, like a he's not the biggest bloke, like a Farrell. He's not the quickest around the corner, like a like a Smith. He's not throwing crazy passes like. Um, Finn Russell is, and he's not that sort of, that sort of player. But his decision making of when to take it to the line, when to pop, when to pass out, which option to pick, it makes that fluidity in the back line so good, doesn't it? And yeah, he's a yeah. What a way to bow out if they do have a, a, a hell of a, a hell of a um, World Cup run as well. Yeah, um, yeah. You look at his uh, and, and and yeah. When you say about the decision making. When you haven't got the physical ability, physical attributes, especially this far into his career, it makes it everything so much harder, effectively, and and being able to do it at that level for so long and continue to sustain level for this long. Let's just hope his body holds out for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the World Cup. Um, also, would like to say, obviously, the the Tom Brady comp was more kind of on prep player style rather than obviously. He hasn't won anything really apart from some six nations, whereas Brady's obviously won Super Bowl six times. Um yeah, 12. 12. Yeah, well, I, I I've got the I could, I've got loads of NFL comps if you want them. Like I reckon Josh <laughs> Allen and Finn Russell are the same person. Um good, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think both I... offer mm. at their top arguably the best. Maybe not. And Josh Allen isn't better than Patrick Mahomes. But at the, their best, they're very, very good. Um, but maybe that bit inconsistent, some days may lose you a game, but other days will be literally the cause of you winning. Um, yeah, see, I've got it all. I know. All oh, I like scores. it. I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll work I was out say, golf, golf analogies next week. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Derek Henry and Joshua Tursova. How do you feel about that? I don't know. It's hard to compare running backs to players. They're just big. What you just mean a big guy who can run hard. I just hyped up your I just hyped up your whole whole bit and then I, I tried to chime in and you just shoot it down straight away. That's yeah. just go on to the twelve. Just go on to the twelve. Go on to the twelve. Talking about big guys who can run hard, maybe even a better comp. I've gone for Jonathan Dante. Um yep. I I spoke earlier about um uh, about a uh, France kind of getting back and I feel like obviously Dante's missed the whole tournament so far and I feel like he maybe is that missing piece he does that bit more than Mo Farner and really just allow uh, unlocks the whole potential of that France backline and suddenly aided with a bit of 
English um, incompetence, really. Uh, he just really powered through and really showed what France been missing um, so far in the tournament and was just awesome. Carries well, it's fast. Um, he's just he's just brilliant, isn't he? And obviously, what happened to Vakatawa is a horrible and such a shame. But this guy's really come in and made it a lot uh, of a lesser blow. Yeah, and the attacking stuff is what he gets his plaudits for, right? His hard carries, his his flat carries, the, the way he's sort of very dominant in defence. But he's such a pain in the ass as well. Breakdown-wise, he was a pain. He was he was slowing stuff down. He was just... He was doing everything you'd want That's... a player to do, let alone in centre, just a player to do. Yeah. That's why I'd argue, in a way, he's almost better than Vakatawa. Because I feel like Vakatawa was probably better in attack and, and overall slightly more of a dangerous player. But because he had much more of a sevens background, he was much uh, much more of like when ball in hand, that was everything. But like he, around the pitch, he wasn't too much where, yeah, Dante does offer that bit more in the breakdown, and, um, in the tackle area, that sort of place. I tell you what, I wouldn't have minded to see a DuPont, Untermac, Slash Jalbert, um, Dante, Fiku, and then Hano, Vakatawa on the wing with Ramos at fullback. Oof. Can you yeah. imagine that? That would have been, been thirteen. Um, I thought about Gary Ringrose. Obviously, played really well, but then uh, ho- hopefully uh, got knocked out quite severely. Showing the RFU how well their head, uh, the tackle at the hip is going to go. Because yeah, okay, we'll all tackle like Gary Ringrose. Got nice and low. Got absolutely sparkled by a hip. Um, yeah, that's never nice. Yeah. Well done, RFU. Yeah. Um, I've actually gone for Hugh Jones, though. Um, scored a lovely try. Um, his partnership, I think one of the big things from this tournament, um, his partnership with Tipliotu, which they've transferred from Glasgow, Edinburgh, Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah. Glasgow. Glasgow. First time. But yeah. Back to yourself. Um, well, I don't, uh, I don't want to upset the Scottish. But uh, yeah, which they've transferred over. Has looked really, really strong all tournament. Um, together they throw the the lovely line that Tupliotto takes, where he takes it to the line and then kind of draws the defender with his eyes, keeps the uh, or keeps the defender with his eyes, and then pops it. Looks like he's going out the back, pops it to Jones, who's in on the crash line. Looks it's just lethal. Um, Jones scoring through that again, and he's just I think he's had a proper renaissance this tournament. Obviously, been kind of out of the team re- in recent years with Chris Harris having that shirt, but looked really dangerous. Um, but also they haven't really lost any of that defensive acumen that uh, Chris Harris brings because he's been excellent. Um, so fair play. Agreed. Future. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, I think the wingers picked themselves, really. Um, Damien Pinot on the one side, yeah. just excellent Standard. everything. Um, I mean, had... His first try was kind of easy. The obviously the kick across where um he just had to take it round Don Brandt and then he pretty much had a run in. But uh yeah, and well, I mean the second try wasn't actually that hard either, was it? It was another pretty much running. But he's just everywhere, such a threat. Um and so, yeah, so dangerous ball in hand, uh, but offers everything to the game. And on the other side. I've gone for Mac Hansen, who really, really shone um, against Scotland. Every time he had the ball, uh, he it, it was almost like Scotland players were backing off because they didn't want he uh, let want to let him have some space. Uh, 
uh, or, or like to step them. So they're kind of stepping off him, which really showed off his um, handling ability and distribution because he, he then allowed other players, like really, yeah, came into the centre a lot and worked on wraparound lines and, and gave passes out to players like James Lowe and put them away in space. Um, especially the second half, really showed um, his class, scored two nice tries as well. And yeah, Scotland, if it was one player, Scotland looked like they were kind of scared of it. It seemed to be Mark Hansen. Um, yeah, backing off him all day and and allowing him to do have his way with them. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And he did. And he did. Um and he did. anything to say about those wingers? Just class accidentally. Yeah, I could not agree more with either of them. We obviously know what Pinot is like. We um I, I we've seen flashes of excellence from Mac Hansen. Probably yet to see that consistency. But honestly, and I, I don't even mean this in a jokey way. Ireland do so much good stuff before it even gets there. They've, they've usually broke through the defensive line before it gets to a Matt Campson or a James Lowe on the wing, and, and pretty much all they need to do for most games is finish it. So really nice to see them having a, a top, top game. And um, yeah, it's good, good bit of depth in that Irish uh, wing department now going into that World Cup. So yes, interesting and to see if, he, if they stick with the Lowe and Hansen thing going forward. I think yeah. I think they probably will now. I think they have to. They've both been so good this tournament and they offer, both of them offer every everything you could ask for off a winger. They're both quick, got good footwork, um, good under the high ball, can tackle. Uh, I mean, James Lowe's got a better boot, but uh, Mac Hansen's also got a, a decent nudge on him. And just intelligent players. Like I feel like all three of them could play fullback if they needed to as well. Um so yeah, and also Mac Hansen may have the best hash in in world rugby. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. It's up there, isn't it? It is. It's up there. It's got to be up there. Well, I'm trying to Great think. Great hash on the lads. Although it he is, is Australian. He is a good effort. He is Australian, which kind of knocks some points off. Because. Yeah, I I agree. I'm I'm yeah. I'm not sure James Lowe's Irish either, is he? Uh no. Um. Yeah, I like him. I like a stash. Yeah. Gonna yeah. grow one out. So, I, so this is it's actually a story, Jay. I'm not going to bore the listeners too much. But the other half really likes me with a stash. I'm yeah. unsure. Everyone else over there, my other half, does not like me with a stash whatsoever. What, just so, a tash? Just a tash, yeah. I've tried it completely clean-shaven elsewhere. I've tried it. It was a bit stubbly as well. Um, mixed reports, James, to be honest. Mixed reports. I'll have to get a picture over to you and we'll see 70s porn uh, star, Freddie Mercury sort of vibes? Um. Or... So we're not quite handlebaring, but we're getting there. Right. If that makes sense, if if you can picture that. Yeah. I don't want to go full handlebar, you know. I just that's not my style, James. Full goatee. Get a full goatee. Do you reckon I could do? Yeah, a little soul patch in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> could be the way. Could be the way. Uh. Anyway, on from Will's beard. Um. Uh, Thomas Ramos. Uh. No. Yeah, that's his name. Thomas Ramos at fullback, um, easily, obviously. Um, yeah, I don't. He, yeah, he's, he's he's fantastic. Has been kicking very, very well again. Um, did he miss a kick? I'm not sure if he missed a kick. Um, might have. He had so many that he might have missed a kick. Um, but was great from the boot. Great in the open play. Scored a try. Set up a couple more. Um, I mean, obviously, last year Jamine was was all the hype about. Um, France and obviously he came in kicking and everything, but Ramos has really secured that 15 jersey. Um, 
Although, shout, shout out to Jamine, lovely pass to put Pano away in the corner for the last try. But um, yeah, Ramos really solidifying his name, obviously kicking as well, because obviously Jamine does that when when he's on the pitch. But yeah, Ramos looking great with the boot, looking great overall, and brilliant game. Yeah, he's awesome. We, we were talking the other week, weren't we, about Keane, it'd be like your best fullbacks, you've got Keane and you've got Stewart, you've got, you've got Bone Barrett. You've, there's a few names to throw in about that ring, but Thomas Ramos is definitely in the conversation now. If he wasn't before this Six Nations period, he definitely is now. Could you argue, Stewart, this tournament anyway, isn't in the top three fullbacks? I think it's hard. I think he does such a functional job yeah, for a lot I, of it. No, but it, just in this tournament, I'd say... I, I, I think Hugh, um, Hugh Keenan's definitely above him. I think Thomas Ramos is above him. And you'd probably argue Kapuotso is above him. See, I think he's been pretty good. But as you say, similarly to how Lawrence has been at Bath, he's a bit of a shining light, isn't he, at the moment? So I don't I, know. He's I, getting a lot of stick. A lot of people are saying he's not playing that well. Mm, I like him still. I, I still really like him. But yeah, I don't, I don't think as of right now, you, you don't watch him and think he is the best fullback in the world. But... Yeah. I do think he's very, very solid. I think as a high ball, forget, as a high ball commander, he's perfect. Yeah, and I think also people forget. Obviously, they go on about Capuozzo being really young, um, but they forget how young Freddie Stewart still is. What is he? Twenty two, twenty three? Yeah, I think so. Where Capuozzo was is twenty three. Um, uh, yeah, Capuozzo yeah. is twenty three, nearly twenty four. Um, so Stewart's crazy. actually younger. Yeah, that's a bit nuts, actually, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And nobody really... I don't think anybody really thinks about that, that actually Capoeira is older than Freddie should. So, um, yeah, he's still got a lot of time to develop and, and learn. Um, And it is one of the... I'd say probably, apart from 10, it's the get a position you need to develop the most because um, you have to have a very, very complete game to play yeah, for sure. I, I I really want to see. I'd love to see England go really well and then see Freddie Stewart in the fifteen shirt. Yeah, yeah, it would look good. Um, although good could try this week. Uh, what was I gonna say? On to predictions. Obviously, we're only doing the Six Nations this week because there's no Prem rugby. Um, yeah. we you said about us having bad Six Na- uh, Six Nations predictions last week. I take no part in your bad Six Nations predictions. Um. I got Italy wrong, but then I got France and Ireland right, so I got two out of three. Oh yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I thought you, I thought you also went for England. That's my bad. Uh, no, I didn't. I wasn't that stupid. Yeah, I had a howler. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I didn't go for Scotland because there was a strong consideration I was going to go balls to the wall and opt for Scotland as well. But um, clearly, the right decision was made there, and at least got one out of the three. Yeah, and I'm going to get them all right this weekend, James. Also, interestingly, all the away teams were. Yeah. Which I bet if if they did like a statistic on like Six Nations, how many times that happened? I bet it's not happened that often. Nope, probably right. Probably right. Um, and quickly to t- touch on our uh, other predictions, I think we drew again. We draw most weeks. Um, both got Northampton right. Both got Exeter right. I got Leicester right. Um, both got London Irish right. But you went for Bristol. So yeah, we drew. Um, got so... you. Okay. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, I have no idea what the score is. We've lost count. We don't keep up to date anymore. But let's just say we're drawing, and I'm winning the Six Nations. Uh, because I actually think this might have been the first week in the Six Nations where we've gone for a different 
um, different results. We've pretty much agreed the whole Six Nations. They've kind um, of picked themselves, though, hasn't they? Haven't yeah. They really? uh, and then when they haven't, you've got them wrong. Um, <laughs> um, all right, and then we'll go into the last round of Six Nations. I know, well, I think I'm going to go and find a pub and sit down at about quarter past 12 and maybe move about seven o'clock. Yep. Although I might, might, I might have moved a few times to go to the toilet by then. But that's all. Uh, yeah, I'm no comment on that one for, yeah, yeah, for obvious reasons. After last not, night, yeah, you're not letting me. You know, no, you're no not comment. being because you're a fake rugby fan. No, um, no, no comment. No comment. No comment. But you're not. You're not coming out to play. No, uh, no, no comment. No comment. Not, not allowed out to play. Um, <laughs> well, let's we'll start with Scotland, Italy. Uh, I think after a, I feel like after a good tournament. Oh, actually, I've got some news as well that I'm going to run through quick. But after a good tournament, and this may affect what you predict, but after a good tournament, I am going to go for Scotland um, because they. I think they'll want to end it on a high note, having. Started the tournament well, obviously had a couple of tricky weeks. Um, they'll want to put a big performance, especially at Merrifield. However, this may change your mind. There's a lot of players out this week. Um, and the Scottish players that are missing are Hogg and Russell, which obviously are very influential players. Now, you'd imagine um, that... What's his name? We're coming at fullback. Uh, Kinghorn? Kinghorn. Blair Kinghorn will come in at fullback. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Uh, whether they may play him at 10 um, they may, who knows um, and obviously Italy will be fl- fighting to try and not get the um, wooden spoon yeah it's but... uh, it's tough isn't it? I, I don't think they'll be too worried about Hulk because I think King Horn has been pretty good at 15 when he's come on, look, look yeah. really excited and really but just come if to... Hastings was fit, I don't think they'd have a problem because I think they play Hastings at 10 King Horn 15 and you'd be like yeah that's fine um, but now they have an interesting decision to make. Um, yes. Well, it could be it could be the perfect opportunity, right? Because they're not going on to win the tournament now. They're not going to win the wooden spoon or anything like that. Um, it, why not just go Healy and um, Healy and Kinghorn? Yeah, first. But I'm still backing them to win at, at Murrayfield and trying have a positive note. At the end of the tournament, what do you think? Let's go Italy. Yeah, that was a long pause. I thought you lost. Let's it go there. Italy. Why not? I'm losing the predictions anyway. Let's get, let's go balls to the walls, James. Let's go Italy. Fair enough. Well, that has pretty much confirmed me as winning the predictions. <laughs> Thank you. Probably, <laughs> but let's just do it. Why not? No, fair enough. Um. I feel like we might agree on the next two, though. Um, so just to make sure, uh, if you're unaware, they're all on at uh, Saturday this week, and the Scotland Italy game is on at half past twelve. Um, then on to the French French Wales game, <laughs> French Wales, the France Wales game um, in France. Uh, I'm gonna go for France. I think they're gonna have way too much for Wales, and I think they could see another chance in front of the home crowd of putting on a big score. And I think it could end up similar to last week. Um, Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to find a 
way where I could disagree with you and go against that, but I can't. Well, you could, but you'd just be wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. There, there's no... Yeah. Yeah, enough said, I think. Fair. Um, so we're both going for France. And uh, again, Ireland, England at five o'clock. Again, I've got to go Ireland. They're just too good. Um, I think Ireland could rest uh, a few of their starters and still be comfortably the best. Um, oh, to say about players out, I forgot to mention... Uh, Wales have Liam Williams and Scott Baldwin both out. Um, and going talking of this game, the England game, Ollie Lawrence is out as we spoke about previously, but also Ollie Chesham, who I think's actually been potentially England's best player this tournament. Um, he's been out. Uh, he is now ruled out for this game. Um, and from an Irish perspective, Gary Ringrose obviously had that horrible head knock. He's out. Ian Henderson's out with an arm break, and then Sheenan Kelleher. And Doris are all um, potential miss potentially missing as well, so obviously that could affect them. But as I just said, I think Ireland could start most of a B team and still comfortably win this weekend, especially to secure the Grand Slam in Ireland. I think Ireland win. Yeah, the the only the only and I really am clutching at straws, and I can't explain how much I'm clutching at straws. The only way they don't win is if it's um, if they get two in their own head. Yeah, but I just don't see that they've won the grand. See, if this was like a World Cup final, I could see it because they've not won. They've won most of these players have won the um, Six Nations. A lot yeah. of them have won a Grand Slam, so I don't think they will. Yeah, and again, I I really think that is clutching the straws massively. But yeah, they they should they should just comfortably piss it, shouldn't they? Yeah, they should. So, interest, interesting weekend of rugby. I, I do hope that the pressure is put on Ireland up until that last game, so it's not just a nothing game. Well, it, they only need one point, don't they? Is that all they need? Is it one point to do it? Well, they're, four, they're four points out of France. And obviously, France, France can get 20. Ireland are on 19. I don't know what happens if they draw. I guess it goes to points difference, maybe? It'd be points difference or tries, right? It's usually the ones they go for. Um, if you give me one second. Uh, points difference is currently 20 points in Ireland's favour. Um, tries for is identical. Christ. So could be could potentially be be a big one. Then. Yeah, but I, I can't see. I, <laughs> you are also relying on England <laughs> to... Uh, yeah. I do, to be honest, I don't think we really need to have this debate. James. No, no, I don't think we do. But we we can revisit if uh, absolutely necessary. But I wouldn't hold your breath. No, not going to. Yeah, don't don't worry about bookmarking the page or anything if you're uh, looking it up. Um, but no, it's going to be an interesting weekend of fixtures. Um, in reality, these should be sort of pretty standard in terms of who's going to take them. Um. Yeah, unfortunately, no Premiership rugby this weekend, but that just means you can tune into your local rugby and your Premiership and your uh, Six Nations, I should say. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully going to be some interesting games with some pretty high intensity. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy the rugby and we will see you on the next one. Uh, bye. Bye.